You're listening to the Archive Deep Time. Swimming in the river. Swimming deep. <laughs> We're getting deeper and deeper. Hashtag swimming deep. Oh, yeah. That's the Riding hashtag. dirty and swimming deep. Ugh. I like the first part of the <laughs> swimming deep the Second part. part of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's uh, episode two of what? Uh, Give Me 182 Good Reasons. That's right. Which, which is our Blink 182 Deep dive. Deep dive. That's right. And, oh, I should look at our list. Because I know we're talking about Dude Ranch, but what else are we talking about? Uh, we're also going over the uh, the first um, lineup change in the band, which happened uh, about a year after the release of Dude Ranch. Uh, really? Yeah. I believe uh, Dude Ranch was released in the summer of 1997. Right. And uh, I believe the lineup change occurs in the summer of 1998. Um, yeah. So Dude Ranch, uh, wh- where we were last time, we, we talked about Cheshire Cat, the first uh, official release, yeah. along with all the early stuff. Uh, Cheshire Cat comes out. It gets a little bit of uh, attention, not a lot of attention, but enough that... Blink starts touring, and they're on like big, pretty high high profile tours for the pop punk circuit. Yeah. You know, they go on two warp tours back to back. I think uh, they tour around the world. They and, toured with um, Seven Seconds. I oh believe. yeah, yeah. Um, and um, they start getting courted by big labels. Mm-hmm. I big think labels. off of that album, off of Cheshire Cat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and uh, according to the the <clears throat> stuff that uh, Wikipedia talks about, their you know A and R guys are going to shows, yeah. and uh, you got to imagine that probably feels pretty good for for these two, right? And, and, Scott. and Scott, yeah. Um, Although Scott, from that same source mm-hmm. of information, was apparently somewhat uneasy by it, though. He was okay with getting big. Right. He just didn't want to, um, allegedly, one. so one of the labels that they were uh, talking to is Epitaph. Yeah. Which um, was having kind of its heyday in a way. So uh, apparently Scott really wanted to be on Epitaph. Um, right. Epitaph was hitting Which makes a lot its of stride. Sense. Yeah. They had just um, released Rancid's um, kind of breakthrough album. Uh, they were doing all of the Bad Religion stuff mm-hmm. of the day. Um, so they had some big names, Pennywise, no effects. Uh, it seems like a good place for Blink to be. And, uh, the, the other guys, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't know that I didn't see much about what about MCA kind of appealed to them except, uh, you know, creative freedom, but I'm sure they would have gotten that at Epitaph I, too. I wonder if it was because from what I read, MCA eventually became like part owner of Cargo Records or something. Oh Yeah. So it was just sort of a natural. Yeah, I wonder if they were like, "Well, that sort of makes the decision for us." Yeah, yeah. They Though didn't I have also to really... read that that they weren't really happy with Cargo. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard too. Like the, they weren't very well represented. It sounds like it was hard to get a copy of Cheshire Cat anywhere. Yeah. I guess the distribution wasn't great with Cargo, but they ended up going with MCA. Yep. And uh, Scott was a little disappointed with that. And there, I saw a quote in there that said uh, at one point he said that once they passed over epitaph he found himself feeling only kind of half invested in the band right 
um, which uh, later on we'll talk a little bit about what what ultimately happens with Scott and and may come back to that notion that he was kind of um, disinterested or yeah. uninvolved in in the band. Uh, but so they go into the studio to record Dude Ranch while they're they're writing songs on tour. Apparently, um, almost all of the the stuff that appears on Dude Ranch was written while they were on tour, or it was an older song that they'd already written before. Yeah. Uh, they go into the studio in December of 1996. They end up staying there for about five weeks, which is a total shift right. already. Right out of the gate, this whole uh, big album or big label thing is working out. Yeah. Uh, differently than what they're used to, and they have all this time on their hands. Um, they hunker down in a studio called, uh, where was it here? Big Fish Studios. Big Fish, yeah. Every um, time I read that. You thought real Big Fish. Yeah. You thought they were <laughs> they were actually in Real Big Fish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the guys from Real Big Fish opened up their chest cavities, and the guys from Blink-182 walked into them yeah. and recorded Dude Ranch. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, they're, they're back home. Um, it's, uh, this, this Big Fish Studios is in Rancho Santa Fe, mm-hmm. California, not too far from where they live uh, in San Diego. Um, certainly close enough that they can get sombrero uh, right. for lunch every day, yeah. which uh, manifests later. Um, and they pick uh, to produce this thing, Mark Trombino, yeah, who uh, <coughs> had done a lot of stuff at this point, but and, w- most notably for them, I guess he um, produced Static Prevails by Jimmy Eat World, yeah, which was kind of their um, wh- what I've often heard to as kind of the the underappreciated masterpiece of Jimmy Eat World. Right. Um, uh, but so they're, they're all fans of Jimmy Eat World, especially Tom. That's his favorite band, at, at least as of this time. Right. So Mark Trumpino seems like a good fit, and uh, they, uh, they make this happen over five weeks. Man, Mark Trombino, I mean, I was looking at the albums he's produced, and it's a, it's a lot of albums I really like. Yeah, he he definitely kind of has a signature sound. I pulled up the lists here. What are they? Well, I mean, this is a selected discography, and I'm going to even select from this list. A selected selected. Uh, Rocket from the Crypt, he produced their album Scream, Dracula Scream. Mm-hmm. Well, Diego he was a band. mixer. Sorry, he was engineer, mixer on that one. Okay. Static Prevails, as you mentioned. Um. He did, uh, where is it? He also uh, produced Clarity, which is another, oh, another yeah, Jimmy yeah. World album. Well regarded. Um, the Hippos, Heads Are Gonna Roll. Hmm. Midtown, Save the World, Lose the Girl. Hmm. Uh, Bleed American, Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, they brought him back for that. Uh, also, he, he actually did a whole bunch of yeah. He did futures too, I think, and maybe he? invented or one of those other Jimmy Eat World albums. He did invented. That is yeah, right. okay, that was like he his did, last one. Um, Living well is the best revenge. Another Midtown album. He did say it like you mean, mean it. The starting line. Something by the Living End. Uh, Modern Artillery. Yeah, it's a great album. Uh, Songs for silent movies, which is something corporate. Which I I never really got into mm. them, but they were pretty big for a while in that in that scene. Mm. Oh yeah, he did do Futures uh, by Jimmy Eat World. 
Motion City soundtrack. He did uh, Commit This to Memory. Hmm. Oh, he was a mixer on that. Um, but yeah, he's involved in all these sort of really well-known... This is, these are like sort of cousins of Blink-182 yeah, in yeah, many ways. Exactly. Like even though Jimmy Eat World has a totally different sound, right. you know, like there's there's a lot of camaraderie between yeah. the two. Um, so it's a, it's a really good fit. And, uh, you know, I don't know enough about like what the, the process was. I know that they were all... Uh, challenged in some way like yeah. uh, particularly i guess mark his his vocal cords were a little bit shot well um, i remember reading this um i had a book um years ago about them about the band and they discussed this that the you know if you listen to the song damn it um which is the big single off of this album that that really kind of put them on the map um mark doesn't sound <laughs> Anything like himself. Yeah, it's totally different. It's this really rough kind of uh, vocal. And apparently they wrote this song out of his range, sort of unwittingly. Yeah. And so when he went to record it, it was like really hard. So by the time he gets to the, the track that, you know, they finally are able to to get it right, I guess, his voice is just shot. Yeah. So he's really gravelly, and, and or at least for him. Yeah. Really gravelly. And, Wasn't and, he sick, too? Or was that Cheshire Cat, where he was oh, sick I don't know. for the that, recording? That, that may have been Cheshire Cat. Okay. But then uh, Tom was also having vocal issues, mm. and then Scott... <laughs> Broke both ankles? His ankles, yeah. yeah. And was on crutches <laughs> doing this. Uh, Which, so that's a theme uh, running through Blink-182's history. So Mark breaks <laughs> yeah. his legs first. Then Scott, at some point, we're going to find out during the uh, Enema recording sessions that Tom, you know, got dropped by a UFO or something and broke his legs, too. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, it's a challenging recording session. I mean, I feel like most albums like that are are of any significance. You hear these like stories afterwards about how like, oh, they overcame adversity, you know, in order to make this to record this. Um, and relatively speaking, these don't sound like too big of challenges. Right, right. Um, I mean, they still had Mexican food every day, right? I like that um, apparently the the one thing Tom was unhappy with in, in the making of this album as a whole mm-hmm. were <laughs> they, t- they did a photo shoot to go into the, the you know, album. The uh, liner art. The, yeah, little booklet or whatever. And it's the three of them dressed as cowboys doing various things. And they wrote captions for mm. as jokes for those <laughs> photos, and apparently he was not satisfied with those. <laughs> he jokes. felt they rushed him. Yeah, they did it too. <laughs> Didn't put enough effort into those jokes. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even remember those. You know, it's one of those albums that like I came to. Uh, I, I knew it because I had a CD. Yeah, yeah. And it was like the CD was always in my car. Right. I listened to it in the car, so I was never fumbling Same. with the yeah, exactly. you know case or anything. I pulled it out of the case, put it in the car, and then never took it out yeah. for months. Uh, so I don't even remember these jokes in the liner notes. I remember at one point pulling that case out and being like, oh, there's like photos in here. And stuff. <laughs> I, I was really, there are members like, in this band. <laughs> I was like, I've never looked at this before. This is strange. Yeah. Um, but I was the same way. Like that CD just stayed in my car. Um, and never really left. Yeah. Uh, so the, Sessions go well. They uh, they recorded another song in that session. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Dude Ranch comes together. They continue touring, and then uh, the album drops. Yeah, and it's led by the single "Damn It." Yeah, which is I think how 
how both of us first heard the band. Yeah. Um, and I we I sent you that uh, 120 minutes link earlier today. Oh, so they they appeared on. The band appears on 120 Minutes with Matt Pinfield. Well, I'm putting it in the show notes so you can see it. Uh, the, it the, the thing about that that I think is interesting is they're still um, so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, one, like being interviewed. And two, <laughs> yeah. uh, being on TV, seemingly. Right. But they make fun of themselves. So there, there's a, a part in there where they show a clip from the Eminem's, uh, Eminem's video. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they're all sort of like chuckling about it, and Matt Pinfield's like, "Oh, you guys think that's funny? You, you're laughing at your own video. What's what's so funny about that? What, what does that mean?" And <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> Matt Pinfield kind of sounds like Doctor Teeth yeah. uh, from the Electric Mayhem when I do him. But uh, they all they they I think Mark specifically says like, "Well, you know, those songs are like five years old, um, so that's not really who we are anymore." So I found it was like really interesting, yeah. them, like distancing themselves from that. And Scott says something like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of soft and slow. Like <laughs> they really just didn't, they didn't seem comfortable having wow. their old stuff, um, brought out. But then like they, they, um, they show a performance, uh, from another MTV show. Uh, I forget what it was called, but, but the, it, it's, it's damn it. So, you know, it's the music is more up to date, but like the performance wise, it's not really any better yeah. than like what they were doing in M&M's. Uh, but they, they just, they have no charisma, yeah. right? Like they're so flat and uninteresting. Yeah. And so I, I remember watching this when it aired or, or, you know, maybe like a week later or something. And I remember taking note of the song and they show the video for damn it. Um, which basically uh, lays out the the song lyrics. Right. It, it depicts them visually, uh, the narrative of the song. And I remember, you know, noting the video and thinking like, you know, this song is not bad, but this video is kind of dumb. Like, yeah. it's funny, but it's kind of dumb. It kind of like undermines the, the whatever song, they're going yeah. for with the song. And then that's like really all I remember about that. Yeah. Like, it, I, my life goes on, whatever. And then about six months later, uh, I, uh, I'm hanging out with a friend and he has the CD Mm -hmm. and I don't remember if I saw it like in a stack of CDs or if, uh, it was, uh, in his CD player or whatever, but I remember like recognizing them being like, Oh yeah, yeah, I have some familiarity with that, but being kind of hazy. And he was like, Oh, do you want to, do you want to borrow the album? I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. Wasn't thinking much of it. Threw it in the car. Uh, it was Friday afternoon or something, and uh, drove around all weekend, day and night, never stopping this album. Mm-hmm. Like it just the the thing is like what thirty two minutes long right. or something, and I probably spent <clears throat> at least thirty percent of that weekend in the car. Uh, so we're talking like twenty hours yeah. nonstop. This album it just keeps. <laughs> revolving over and over again. Yeah. I listened to every song on it probably 15, 20 times over the course of that weekend. And I, the, the following week I had to give it back to him. I gave him the CD at school, you know, at like eight 30 in the morning. And as soon as school was out, like four o'clock, I drove to Best Buy and bought it. Nice. And then put my own copy into the car and then yeah. didn't take it out for months. Yeah. Um, and then maybe exaggerating, but like it, it, it was a, a permanent presence, particularly 
on those like weekends or, or weekend night drives, yeah. like to someplace or home from someplace. Uh, and like, I was thinking about this over the weekend, uh, started to play it again. And like, you could argue that dude ranch saved my life. Um, quite literally because it, it starts out and it, it starts out so aggressively and fast. And we talked about this last week, the guitar work and the pacing and everything. It, it's such a consistent, um, pace there's almost no deviation from that pace yeah. throughout this album that you can put it on and you're like sort of awoken by it. And, um, and that I, I'm pretty sure like that happened to me. Like I remember, you know, driving home kind of bleary eyed or whatever. And I would like roll the windows down and put this album on and like the surge of cold air mm. and this music would like get me home. Yeah. You know, like I, I could, it, it made my adrenaline and blood, you know, kick back in. And, uh, so who knows? I may, I may not be here <laughs> if it weren't for dude, dude ranch. ranch, man. Yeah. This, I, I, I bought this when it came out for one song and that was damn it. And I, I said this before, um, on the archive, I have had this terrible, and I bet a lot of people do this as kids, but yeah. I would buy albums for one song and not listen to anything else on the album, you know, unless another single happened to come out yeah. on the radio or whatever. <laughs> like, Oh, I'll check that song. Latch onto that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when I got it, I didn't connect with it because I didn't even try to apart from the one song. And then, um, when Enema the state came out and I really connected with that, I went back because I still obviously still had Dude Ranch, and I was like, well, you know, maybe this stuff is just as good. And, you know, I was the same way where I just, it stayed in my CD player, you know, constantly. And uh, the interesting thing is, I never really got past track uh, 12, A New Hope. Hmm. I always ended there. I Like, for some reason... 13 through 15, there's 15 tracks on the album. Just like I didn't, maybe I just didn't have the attention span. Yeah. Like I, like those songs to this day feel apart from the rest for me. I, now I listen to the, the whole album. Yeah. Like eventually I, I sort of, I listened to those songs too. And I was like, why did I not listen to these? <laughs> I, I have no idea why I seem to stop at that song. Um, but, but yeah, to this day I have, there's this, you know, like separation there for me where the, they almost feel like B sides to me. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. These I are could the B sides to the album. You know? Well, it's sort of, it definitely supports that theory of like 12 songs being yeah. like the official right quote unquote yeah. album length. <laughs> well, in Degenerate and Lemmings, which are tracks 13 and 14, those were, um, from, uh, demos. Yeah. Those were some of the songs they had written. I think before they were touring Cheshire yeah. Cat, right? Yeah. Um, so in a way, they kind of are B sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one part I think um, where where it breaks is that uh, I'm sorry, the closing track, like that has such a great riff and yeah, um, it's a fantastic song. It's like thematically very in touch with the rest of the album. You yeah, know, you're right. Like Degenerate and Lemmings, like 
they the sound because they re-record them fits right. like it definitely has the trombino touch you know that w- they were lacking the, yeah. the previous ones but um content wise it seems like a break yeah. from what you're listening to when you get past um a new hope but then it kind of comes back to i'm yeah. sorry so i do recall like going through there and kind of like if i was feeling like really feeling this shit i would i would have to skip over degenerate and lemmings and go straight degenerate to pulls you right out doesn't yeah. it like uh musically and content wise yeah it, it is such a departure well, in a sense, I mean, I also think that the little jokes, um, the audio, you know, gags in this also really sort of do the album a disservice. Yeah, I agree. I, I liked them then. Yeah. <laughs> um, now it's one of those, those little gags are one of many things that make me embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> about them as a band, you know, that, yeah. that sort of, um, it's an unfortunate aspect. I mean, you can, they're, they're young and, and they're genuine. Like they are expressing themselves the way they want to. And you could even say that that's one of the most original things that they bring to this, um, genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it's, I've gotten to the point now where when I listen to it, I, I sort of tune those out, Yeah, you know, like they just sort of fade away. But I was listening to this album with Chelsea over the weekend, and I'm pretty sure she's never heard it before. Mm-hmm. And we would come to those, and I'm not even thinking about them. Yeah. I'm just like, yep, I can't wait for the next song. We're going to move on. <laughs> and I can just like sort of hear her like sighing, you know, <laughs> in the other room. <laughs> because she can't yeah. believe that, one, that anybody cares about this stuff, <laughs> and two, that I am one of those people. Right. Um, do we want to go track by track? Um, yes, not just one, one more question, I guess. Um, what are your thoughts like on this album as a whole and and now too, like, Mm -hmm. like, um, obviously both you and I really loved it, uh, back in the late Mm nineties and, um, probably a little bit in the early two thousands, but now, in the teens, <laughs> what are you, what are, what are your feelings about this album? Well, like you, like you said, I'm, uh, there are many reasons why I am embarrassed to, <laughs> <laughs> to, a whole, to acknowledge I like that runs <laughs> yeah, across. There are many reasons why yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that runs the gamut of their career. Yeah, there are there's and and it changes what embarrassed is the reasons that you're embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that that still holds like, you know, I I find myself a little embarrassed by how affected I am by this album to this day in a in a affected like how it how Uh, how much you like it, how how I react to it and like, yeah, how much it it still uh, sinks into me and and like it it is uh, a cliche to say it, but it takes me right back. Like yeah. it, it, and part of that's probably because I, I seldom listen to it in any other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still 80% of the time I listen to this album, it's driving at night yeah. Yeah. alone. Um, so that helps, um, with that familiarity, but it still works even, even if I'm not in that setting. Yeah. When I listen to it, I, as soon as pathetic starts, 
I'm hooked. Yeah. And I, if I don't have to stop, I won't stop. I'll just tunnel right through it. And it's the only one of their albums that I can do that. I've had, um, I've, I've grown more familiar and uh, developed a bigger affinity for the other albums than I had at one time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've continued to evolve my, the, the way that I listen to those has continued to evolve. Yeah. But it's never like it reaches a peak and then it kind of goes, it goes away, mm-hmm. you know? So I listen to those later albums now. And at one point they might have been, um, better. They, they might've read better to me than they do now. Yeah. Whereas this one, I think still, uh, resonates on pretty much every level that it always has. Maybe not quite as acutely as it always did, mm-hmm. uh, but like the the high marks of it are still just as effective as they were twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I every time I listen to it, it I like it more. Hmm. Like I don't. It's sort of. Um, I just feel like all the way through, I am totally invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's some really poignant moments in it too. Yeah. Um, that, that really, I don't, uh, I'm thinking particularly of songs like, uh, Apple Shampoo and, um, Waggy. Apple Shampoo is kind of like the, the thesis statement on the album. I think like if you had to sum up Dude Ranch in a, in a song, it's Mm -hmm. probably Apple Shampoo. But yeah, the, those just there are moments in this album where I'm just kind of like, man, I, I like I know that they didn't take themselves seriously, um, and that you know their on stage presence was very, you know, it defines sophomoric and yeah, and it's so easy to write them off yeah for those purposes. But there, for me, there are definitely moments of like genius in this album. Yeah. Um, that absolutely speak to me. Well, and I think it helps. They say that, like, you know, they wrote all these songs, uh, kind of one-off instances, just about whatever whatever girl they were thinking about at the moment or whatever mood they were in at the moment. Um, And you might, like, argue that that's kind of a piss-poor way to make an album, but I think it works for them because they, they sound like they were in they were in a close enough place in, in all of, or maybe they weren't and it's just all the production that, that pulls it together. But yeah. it's one of those albums that does have a singular sound. Yeah. So you can say that like, Oh, all the songs sound the same and, and that's a criticism, but I think it, for, in this case, that's actually a benefit to the album. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the number of plays <laughs> on Google play here. Which actually aren't going to be that impressive when I say them, but just in terms of of uh, ratios, I guess the two songs I just li- listed, Waggy and Apple Shampoo, I've listened to sixty and sixty one times, <laughs> <laughs> at least in this iteration of Google Music. Right. Um, so I guess I was right about those two songs. Okay. <laughs> Should we do track by track? Track try not by to blast. Track. Try not to blast the. The audio here. Blasted. Here we go. Oh, so this is pathetic, which rivals Dumpweed for best first song mm-hmm. of an album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
That that one sounds a little out of Mark's range. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I wonder if most of this album is out of his range. He he really does scream a lot yeah. or yell a lot. And yeah. maybe that's part of the reason why this album also sounds so singular to me and and where the breakdown comes from and when I get to Enema or those later albums where like they both start to have a better control of their voice yeah. or at least, you know, try to try to write for that for their or abilities is helping them at yeah least, yeah or right? they're getting some assistance uh whereas this one it's it's raw and yeah. they're they're just throwing themselves yeah. at it i i love this has the the um interchanging uh lyrics mark goes and then tom goes mm-hmm. and it's got a really great rhythm to it and I don't, it sets a really good standard for the rest of the album. Yeah. Like, it totally primes you yeah. for what you're about to hear. And, like, content-wise, it seem, it's, like, right in the right spot. It's, like, this yeah. dude feeling sorry for himself yeah. after a breakup. Um, at that opening line, I know I'm pathetic. I knew when she yeah, said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Like, what a great um, lyrical... Uh, I love the... The line, I think it's disgusting, believing, and trusting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. These are not, like, genius wordplay, examples of wordplay, but... But they're the right words. They're the the exact right words, yeah. And I... I, They just sound so... They're a band in this... Yeah, they're super tight. This whole album, but, you know, this song especially. So then then next is Voyeur... Which veers in a really great way, I think. Like, both in content and in music. Yeah. Like, still feels like it's part of the set, but is a whole other idea, musically. Mm-hmm. This is it. Coming up. That uh, crunchy, I remember like the first time hearing that and like being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, this feels like we talked about it last week or last time, um, how Tom, at least in recent interviews, has talked about approaching music as if he's writing nursery rhymes mm-hmm. and this feels like that to me yes yeah like this is one of his stories about some dude watching hanging some out in girl. a tree yeah yeah george mcfly <laughs> who incidentally <laughs> i think tom DeLong should play oh my god george yeah. mcfly if they ever do a remake <laughs> or he should play um What's his face? Crispin Glover? Yeah, in yeah. a documentary about Crispin Glover. <laughs> or a, or a biopic. fictionalized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great switch up, too. Like, it, it's still the same, like, genre of story, yeah. you know? But it, it's, like, the first one's, like, super earnest, and now this one's, like, the Animal House yeah. version of it. Um, okay, next is the... This is the song that put him on the map. Perfectly placed. Perfectly placed. Track three is like the perfect place, right? Yeah.
see there, you can hear his vocals. Yeah, it really sounds like a different struggling. dude. <laughs> you really have struggling to hit that that range. It's great. So this, I was doing this before we recorded. So there's that version, and then there's the single version, which has a small but distinct difference, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can play that. That was it. <laughs> Little uh, drum lead up, right? Drum lead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I... I think it's mixed differently, too. It does sound like it's mixed a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I if I have a preference, you know, about them. Uh, I'm way more familiar with the album version than the single version. So but. am I. But I find that I miss that drum uh, mm. moment at the very beginning there, the little drum roll that takes you into it. It's strange. Like, maybe just because I just listened to it, and when we hear, heard it on the album, I was like, where is it? <laughs> I don't know. All right, I, the next track I love. This is, like, such a... Uh, I mean, it's called Boring. <laughs> but, like, I can't, I can't even really understand this song or wrap my head... Like, remember we talked once about Star Wars The Force Awakens... <laughs> And we said, "Wait, wait, wait! You mean like on the archive? Yeah, we talked. We talked about Star Wars, the Force, Awakens, the Force Awakens on the archive. On the archive, yeah. A conversation about a recent Star Wars film that took place. We talked about that once in the archive. Yeah, yeah. You might have to dig for it if you go to the archive. You might. Yeah. You start. You search <laughs> Star Wars. You're not gonna. It's, it's not, not just gonna, gonna, gonna pop right up. Yeah. <laughs> Those conversations are buried. <laughs> um." But I think we were both talking about how we couldn't get a mental like hold on on like the the movie as a whole, mm-hmm. right? We were like, well, we can I can see in my head, Empire Strikes Back like as a unit, yeah, yeah. But I can't do that with the Force Awakens. Instantly, there are colors and shapes yeah. and lines that all come together, and I can do that with pretty much every song on this album. Boring mm. always eludes me. Mm. Um. But I don't think that's to its detriment or anything. It's just something that that, uh, yeah, that well, strikes me about this song. It's in that unfortunate place where it comes right after "Damn It." Good point. And, and right so, before "Dick Lips." Dick Lips. Yeah. So it's sandwiched in between two really, really strong songs, yeah. and and it's short, and it's very short. Um, but it does have that great riff. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear that riff. I love how the drums change the shape of that riff. Do yeah. you know? Do you yeah. notice that? Like, without the drums, it's it the rhythm and the shape of it feels one way. Yeah. When Scott comes it's very in, very fluid. Yeah. And then, it feels like kind of jumpy and, and yeah. jittery, right? Yeah. And it's totally like fuzzy and crunchy, and it has it's got a very uh, Cheshire Cat yeah, guitar yeah, sound. Yeah, totally. This makes me wonder if maybe this was one of the yeah. earlier songs. Um, so follow, I, and I really like this. This is a song that, um, Tom uses his signature. All right. All right. Statement. (laughs) Boring. All right. (laughs) Let's hear it. 
That guitar right there, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's nothing. It's like four notes or something, but... I mean, that's... I would say... It's it's not as though... And you kind of said this with when we were talking about the lyrics. It's not as though there's anything totally original or incredible about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that goes for the music as well. But there's, yeah. but it's, but they're so in it. Like they're so, uh, the, the, the accuracy yeah. is there. And like the, the, they're all throwing themselves into it right. so forcefully that it kind of overcomes whatever it lacks in originality. Yeah. Well, and that, that little, uh, guitar riff thing that happened, that that thing. Yeah. It's perfectly timed. It it happens, you know, once in the song. And then the song pretty much ends. Yeah. And it's just I don't know, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect in that way. Perfect. I'm skipping past the the gag. Good. <laughs> Let's pretend like the gags are. There's don't a exist. little there's a little uh <laughs> funny gag right after that song. <laughs> and then we hear dick lips. And this, despite having a terrible name. For a song, yeah, which apparently they came up with in the studio because they yeah. were calling each other that. <laughs> uh, it documents the oft-told tale of Tom DeLong uh, getting kicked out of school for being drunk. <laughs> I love this intro. Yeah, this is a good uh, drum lead too. Arguably better than Damn It. I love the. I love the that this is a dialogue with his parents. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not a, a very original like topic or yeah. subject matter, but it's it's totally different than anything else on the album. Yeah, uh, and like sound wise and uh, um, the, the that back and forth. Um, Like, it's a really dramatic song. Yeah. Um, and not in the way, like, like the stakes aren't really that big, right? right. He's just talking about, like, cut me some slack. Yeah, you I'm know? a kid. I'm a kid. I'm going to I'm gonna mess up again. Yeah. But you know what? You mess up, too, right. all the time and in far greater ways than I do. Yeah. Like, and I was reading today, too, like, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't belabor these things very much, but mm-hmm. there are hints of, like, parental abuse yeah. in this um, right here. Yeah. Like it's a very lighthearted way to talk yeah. about the fact that maybe this kid's upbringing is not so great, right? And you know, relatively speaking, showing up drunk at a basketball game hardly, yeah. you know, a, a major offense. Uh, uh, especially, you know, it's high school. Yeah. Um, but it's also a really significant song when you think about how, and he's even said this. Tom said like there wouldn't be a Blink One Eighty Two if that incident hadn't right. happened. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to you you you. I don't know that he would not try to find a creative outlet, you know, that he wouldn't make music or he wouldn't, you know, write stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's clearly like a, a pivotal moment in his ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, and it physically forced him into a situation where he met <laughs> right. Mark. So yeah, literally, literally and figuratively, I think it is true that you wouldn't have Blink-182 yeah. without this song. Um, I think what's, what's important too is you mentioned that this 
the song hints at some some abuse, um, and he doesn't belabor that point. And I think that's sort of critical in in why this connects with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he's not making a lot out of it. Yeah, and it's sort of this fact of his life, right? Yeah. Um, and he's not asking you to think hard about it, but any, I, I'm assuming any kid who has gone through that can connect already, you know? Yeah. He's it's a, loose enough that it, he could be talking about a spanking yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> or yeah. he could be talking about something far worse. And he's not trying to prove anything with it either. Yeah. Right. It, this is just part of the overall, um, you know, the uh, status quo. Yeah. 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 That's high school. And when you're, messing up that's what happens right yeah um okay track six is waggy great song this will be the 61st time i played it on google play Mm. (laughs) (laughs) here we go god another amazing riff and this part too the meow 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 Perfect scene setting yes, right there. Yes. Oh man, I love that opening lyric. Yeah. And then he says, uh, "What does he say there?" Let me back it up real quick. Oh yeah, wishing, wishing that, that I, I could, could take, take back, back all those, those words that meant nothing that I didn't say. Mm. Whoa! <laughs> he didn't even say them. He thought them. That was bad enough. Yeah. Right. Must have been some <laughs> terrible words. <laughs> Yeah, this I. It's funny you said it sets the scene so well, and I do. I when this song starts, I immediately am placed in in the environment. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, and it, like the music works for that. Yeah, like this is a perfect like retreat song. Like, yeah, you know, you're speeding away from something. Yeah, something significant. This oh, interestingly, here let's hear this. Okay, it wasn't that part. It'll be the next part. <laughs> there's a, so I, there's the, a version of this on a demo tape. Of oh, Maggie. yeah, with different lyrics. It's a different lyric. And yeah. it's interesting what they changed it to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll come back to that. Um, the structure of this song is so strange to me. Like, like just how it goes from verse to chorus. It doesn't really have a chorus, mm. necessarily. It just sort of... This, I think, and Apple Shampoo both have this weird shape. Mm-hmm. That I really, I think it makes it so listenable. Yeah, yeah, where it sort of just flows together a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see if I can find that spot. Here it comes. So the original lyric was something like, I'll just hang out in my room until then. Yeah. And he changes it to, I'll just jack off in my room. Now, I think that on this surface feels just like a, an opportunity to be crude. Yeah, a little juvenile flourish. But I do think that there's something to using that lyric. Mm-hmm. Because 
it it drives the point home of how alone he feels. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm not trying to make this like <laughs> super well, philosophical about changing that lyric, but it just I think it's really interesting that he switched to that, and I think it works better. Absolutely. Yeah. It ties it directly back into, you know, the, the situation, the strife that he's feeling yeah. with this other person. I love how this ends. I just like how it hangs mm-hmm. on those, those chords. Um, all right. Track seven is enthused. Um, and this is this in untitled, which is after this. I really love both these songs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that about every song. <laughs> that guitar. Yeah. And it, here, where, this little like wave that comes here. Uh, God damn it. Uh, this is another one where the, the structure of the song is just so strange to me. Yeah. This this feels very uh, Cheshire Cat-ish in, the, in that the intro is so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's, it's still going. It's... It, uh, it keeps racing. It's noodly. Yeah, very noodly. And, like, it... it you think it's about to slow down. Yeah. And then it's like, nope, gonna gonna speed back up again. And then yep. it gets even faster later on. We're we're almost a minute in. And there are the lyrics. Yeah. Whole minute later. And it's only two minutes and forty-eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I wanna skip to untitled here. This is untitled. I love how easy this kind of gets in terms of like that was a really hard, yeah, fast moving song. And then we kind of like chill out a bit. And it's like a, it's a very good bridge I think between like the first chunk of the album, yeah. and this next wave, yeah. Let me skip to my favorite part. Let me find it here. It's at the end. I don't know why. <laughs> I know where it is. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. There, wait, wait. Let me back it up. Okay, here it comes. I love... You can hear Tom in the background going... Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it ends on that note that, well, yeah. just at the end, just cut it off. Yeah. Kill it. And then there's a, an audio gag that we're going to skip. So these two, um, Untitled and Apple Shampoo, were for uh, like kind of the, the first fave, phase of me listening to this album were really where it, it sunk its claws into oh, me. Oh, man. And, yeah. Like grab me. Like, and I would go back and listen to those two mm-hmm. over again. Uh, and, but like, it had to be like in that sequence, Yeah, you know, it had to go from untitled into Apple Shampoo. Yeah. Um, 
and it's like it kind of it works in like the progression of the album where this is this is kind of like it's, the the peak oh, man, emotionally, yes. and then from here things get a little bit softer or yeah. uh, more lighthearted, you know. But th- this is sort of like the desperate plea of the album, yeah. Like kind of laid out. I love that that last bit in Untitled where they they're just singing the note, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would just like scream that in my car, mm. and I couldn't. Took me a long time to actually be able to hold it as long as oh, they yeah. hold it. But I was so desperate, I was like I've got to be able to hold this note <laughs> because I can't feel feelings until I do. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, like that lyric in there, um, so they both have they they each have like these really great lines. So Tom has in Untitled the. Um, I needed you most when I needed a friend. Yes. You let me down now, now like, like I, I let you down then. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, so you don't even need to know the circumstances. Right. You know, you just, like, you can feel that whatever emotion is driving that, you can totally feel it. And then Tom, or Mark, has his version in Apple Shampoo. And I think anybody who's heard this song probably knows what I'm this, talking about. I, I'm loath to say anything like this, but this might be the best song on the album. Mm. This is the 62nd time I've <laughs> played it on Google Music. The stats prove it. Do you think he's when he says she saw the mark, he's talking about himself? Absolutely. <laughs> A pretty uh, like signature yeah. uh, dude ranch riff. Yeah. And then he's gonna go nuts. <laughs> Strike up a match, candle burning at both ends. That's a good lyric too. Yeah. But I, I love that he his song is messy. Like I yeah. feel like he's not really hitting the rhythm right. Yeah. But I love it. Like he Well, he can't even keep up. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. That's what I yeah. But there's something about that that makes this song work so well for me. Yeah. And feels very endearing. That's a great line. Yeah, I never I didn't want to hold you back. I just wanted to hold on. Yeah. And then this one, of course, is. I mean, it's album it, over. It's not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to change the world. But, no. you know, it will it will maybe make you feel less yeah. bad <laughs> yeah. while you're feeling really Very bad. Good point. Yeah. Um, let's go to emo. That's track 10. And I loved that this was my favorite for a while. Yeah, this this was like sort of a latecomer for me, but like, uh, man, did it like roar when I finally got into it. And this, again, is a great like opening riff. I, I feel like um, this album, 1997, was like the year of great pop punk guitar riffs. Yeah. Like there's this, there's like all these great riffs on uh, Nimrod. Yeah. That I think, I don't know which one, how I could like pick between the two, but... <laughs> 
The uh, apparently he uh, Tom wrote this um, as a sort of tribute uh, to Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, I saw something about that, like uh, the wanting to write a song like Jimmy Eat World, Jimmy, not necessarily a Jimmy Eat World song, a yeah. sound alike or anything, but just like with the same spirit. Mm-hmm. Find that very interesting. I think the line there too about uh, she's better off sleeping on the floor is a really. It's just an interesting thought, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, it doesn't tell you the whole story. It just sort of suggests this like malaise yeah. and in a really, I think, unique way. Yeah. All right. Next is Josie. This was a single. Yeah. And I think pretty clearly... It's pretty clear why it was a single. Like it, it's super poppy. It's got a long intro. Yeah, it does. And Mark gets to be highlighted. <laughs> Is this the one where he would always talk about like you know bass solo when he was? No, that's in Voyeur. Voyeur, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still shouting. Yeah. Not really singing. He's just yelling. <laughs> it's the it's the G- dream girlfriend scenario. Not about any real girl, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think it was uh, just sort of a idealized girlfriend, yeah. kind of written about... Uh, uh, well, and the, the name, Josie. if I saw this right, yeah, it comes from... It was the dog of the girl he was dating <laughs> in Apple Shampoo. Which is... Uh, from Dance Hall Crashers, yeah. yeah. I that blew my mind when I read that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The dog part or the dating part? <laughs> the dating part. <laughs> all right. Uh, for all you Star Wars fans, the next track is called A New Hope. <laughs> we should make this the new theme of the hour. <laughs> Great opening round. Yeah. The thing I really love about this song, um, that it sort of crystallizes uh, a lot of like the the baggage that I have with Star Wars yeah. in general. Like they used to have to explain why this song was called "A New Hope." Yeah, um, because <laughs> believe it or not, there was a time when people didn't talk incessantly <laughs> about Star we didn't. Wars when we didn't. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was so great. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a wonderful yeah. time when somebody could drop a Star Wars reference and it would have to be explained. <laughs> right. That those days are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so this song is about Princess Leia. He'll name drop her. <laughs> a good song. I, I think yeah. I this is where I start to zone out of the album. Mm-hmm. Or I used to. The next, this is where things kind of break down in terms of like this song, Degenerate, will, Degenerate will kind of kick you off of the, the ride, as it were. Yeah. It's, it definitely has that old blink sound. And this is another fairy tale. I'm going to skip this. Yeah. <laughs> Lemmings is such a... I always forget how much I like this song. This is, this is Lemmings. I feel like that intro is like the end of a song. 
Mm, yeah. Let me play it again. Bam, and they just fade out. Yeah, on that yeah, note. yeah. I think it's this one. I was listening to this earlier today and realizing that um, there's a there's a part in this song. I think it's this song um, where the the chord progression sounds almost exactly like um, Touchdown Boy, <laughs> but it's it's buried underneath yeah. like the backing vocals huh. and stuff. Is it that? No, no. It must be a different song. All right, let's go to the final song. This is "I'm Sorry." This is how we end the album. So this song has some significance between you and me. So this, by this point, not you. We have a someone walked in here who's not on the episode. So should not be speaking. Don't listen to him, listeners. <laughs> um, I had just broken up or been broken up with. I can't remember. I think I had just been broken up with. Yeah. Um, my first ever like long-term girlfriend. And uh, I think in an email, maybe. Ugh. Was it in an email? I think it was an email. You sent uh, you sent me your well wishes and sorry to hear that, but you included a lyric uh, from this song, and it's it kind of really, as trite as it seems, it really helped. Um, and the lyric was, "Let me find it here. Let me turn this down so I can actually say it. What a loss! You just lost all your sleep, and we've and we've always thought that this could never happen. You see." That it's so hard, you gotta get up on your feet, because the only way I gotta say is to move on through the week. And that that move on through the week, that was exactly what I had to hear at that moment. And so I went to that song, obviously, and I was like, oh man, this is it. This is how I make it through this tragedy. <laughs> it, it's, you know, I don't wanna like belabor the the significance of that or like you know the moment, momentous nature of that yeah. because it's it is pretty like simple but it it is absolutely true yeah like it's the perfect uh closer for this album to have that sentiment you know um it's a weirdly positive sentiment given yeah. like the tone of the album um but like i think it it sums up not just like a breakup or you know some whatever kind of like disappointment you're going through like yeah. at a time but i mean that that is like uh an important realization of growing up yeah so like it 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 speaks to blink 182's kind of core essence that yeah. you know the the idea of uh being an adolescent and things not going right um and you can't articulate yourself, <laughs> yeah. um, but you just you just move on. You just yeah. go f- go for it. I agree. <laughs> There's no one else here. <laughs> uh, this is John doing his best Adam impression. 
That's the final song on the album. Do we want to talk about the other song they recorded? Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, there, it was uh, I Won't Be Home for Christmas? I Won't Be Home for Christmas. Uh, probably never intended to actually appear on the album. I don't know right. much about its legacy, but it was recorded in those sessions. And it was later uh, released, well, it was first released, it was an MCA uh, label kind of holiday treat that they sent around. Yeah. I think it was just internally. I think really? it was like an internal thing that they passed around to label uh, uh, employees huh. at the time. But it later, after um, Blink kind of broke through, um, they released it as a single yeah. uh, two or three years later, I think. And it was it's interesting because you, this like I said, this was recorded at the Dude Ranch, so it's uh, Scott on drums. Yeah. And when it was released as a single, the uh, artwork had yeah, Travis, Travis on, on it. it. Yeah. yeah. This is it. What do you think of this song? Uh, I loved it at the time that I first heard it. I haven't listened to it much. Is Travis lately. the new drummer? Yeah. I love this song. I always did associate this with Enema of the State, though, because yeah. of when it was released. Yeah. Well, and it sounds more like an Enema song than a Dude Ranch song. Even he sounds more like he's... Yeah. Like, Mark sounds like the Mark of Enema of the State. <laughs> I like those chimes. <laughs> That's good. Um... I, maybe we save the the Travis stuff for the next episode. I'm good with that. I think that's a good way to to move into that episode. Let's keep Scott Rayner intact for now. Yeah, but we'll, what happens? we'll end this week with Scott on a high note. Yeah, on a high on a high on high, a high hat. hat on a high hat. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk about what happens next in the lead up to Enema of the State. And this is where I learn. I really. You know, connect with Blink is on that album. So that'll be exciting. That's next time. Yeah. Uh, what did we say last time? Uh, come, up come up for air. air. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Come up for air.